Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is joining me again in studio, Mike Howard, who is the CEO and President of Howard Energy. Mike, welcome back in the Oil Patch Radio Studio here Thank in San Antonio. Kim. Nice being here. Well, Mike, you um, have come to the show quite frequently and talked to us about um, what's happening in the energy sector especially more in mid-space, which is where you typically tend to lie. But before we get started on talking about I want to cover the Inflation Reduction Act and what it's going to mean to the energy sector, specifically maybe up, mid, and downstream. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, your path of how you became uh, CEO of Howard Energy. What has been your track leading up to it yeah so i started out in the industry uh, as a chemical engineer working in the field uh, worked my way up into management roles uh, for publicly traded companies ultimately becoming the president of energy transfer uh, a very large uh, midstream company um, that um, i left that job um, at um, 36 years old and and decided to uh, try my own meaningful endeavor uh, with, with, with my name and raised money from a couple publicly traded companies and started out with uh, uh, $70 million of, of, um, of equity. And uh, since then, I've grown it into a, a multi-billion dollar, multi-state, uh, diversified midstream company. Now, we had our 11th anniversary in June. Well, you certainly are very successful in your track to leading you to where you are now. Um, you recently uh, participated in one of Shell Magazine's uh, events, State of Energy. Um, and in it, your bio, you've pretty much grown your company to what, an evaluation of like $3 billion. And I, I don't mean to talk so much about how much it's worth, but it also shows the value of the assets that you've acquired along the way of building your own company. Um, and that's pretty impressive. And, and I think it's important to discuss because of the fact that you are very seasoned in what we're going to talk about today and how it's going to affect the energy sector, specifically in the midstream. Um, but you recently went through what you've called a business divorce. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about that. Um, last year, it became public that you had started. Well, tell us about how you started with a partner, mm -hmm. and that didn't work out so well. Well, it actually worked out fantastic, you know. And after <laughs> ten, 10 years of being together, we had a lot of success. And um, uh, it, it, like a lot of partnerships, uh, they evolve. And, and grow and you have different uh, business objectives and and that just it peaked last year um, and you know we, we went through a, a, a terrible divorce and uh, you know this year on the other side of that uh, the company is performing with record uh, record levels of, of, of profitability uh, uh, we we are uh, looking to consolidate a partner right now um, we are our, our equity providers and our senior management team is as aligned today for the future than we ever have been. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but that's just, you know, part of what I've found in life is evolving and continuing to grow in the direction that's going to make this a meaningful endeavor for the next generation. 
There you go. You also are very inspiring in many ways as an executive. I think that it's worth noting that exec- executives should pay attention to the kind of the roles you're doing community-based wise. Um, we see a lot of executives that will give media uh, interviews. They'll come out and kind of shake hands and wave and, and kiss uh, babies. However, <laughs> you really have, you walk or talk the talk, walk the walk, if you will. You go out in the community, you talk about how, you know, you've really soul-searched looking for um, the answers and looking for solutions or asking questions and finding solutions to the whole energy climate change discussion. Um, I want you to tell me a little bit about, you did a presentation that you can find on YouTube, and I encourage our listeners to go and find that presentation you gave because you, it was very compelling what you were talking about that you struggle with the media portrays and our local and governments all over the world portray that uh, oil and gas is bad it's leading to climate change and what was your uh, thoughts uh, on that presentation as to uh, is where are we with oil and gas and climate change and how much are we contributing to the overall Uh, climate change debate. Yeah. So, you know, I started that journey about five or six years ago, trying to figure out the direction of the company. And I, I I felt pretty embarrassed about the industry and felt pretty embarrassed about my role in the industry. It's like, gosh, are we doing the right thing? Uh, not only for the communities we live in, but for the planet overall. And I really started educating myself and diving deep into what direction I should take the company. And what was the result of that uh, was that that not only am I not embarrassed of being in this business, but I want to be an advocate for ending energy poverty, for promoting uh, all forms of energy that perpetuate human life and the quality of life that we have. You know, um, we, it and and really, um, I call it you know energy communication is like really becoming a champion of energy communication to educate not the uh, people that already work in the industry. Uh, obviously, providing an example of them of any resources I can give them uh, to communicate, but really for the non-energy folks that don't know where their electricity comes from when you turn on a light switch, to not know where gasoline comes from in your car, to not know the quality of life that we enjoy today is founded in energy, that uh, the energy business is the business that runs every other business. Um, And we're seeing that today. Whenever energy is expensive, everything's expensive. And just that fundamental understanding of that, we, we deliver gas uh, into uh, Mexico, we deliver ga- uh, diesel into Mexico. With a country of 128 million people and a very poor country, right beside the United States of America, what's the difference between the two countries? One uses a lot of energy, the U.S., and one doesn't have access to a lot of energy. And we have the energy here that we can provide to them. That simple example uh, is to the bigger theme of in the world, how many people we feed a day on the planet, and then how do we feed those people, and how do we get them to the next level of, of um, um, uh, prosperity, and, and that's you know, through access to more energy, and we have to do that. And I think the U.S. does it the best. We're the cleanest um, uh, uh, profit or excuse me, the cleanest production of oil and natural gas is from the United States of America. And for us to be going to other places to get that um, is, is really a, a show of ignorance, of, of, of not understanding the physics, the thermodynamics of where our energy comes from and how it's used to improve the qualities of our lives. 
Well, and before the show started, we, you and I had a, a, a conversation offline discussing how I think it has just become so politicized. Uh, and some of it probably is, is, well, probably almost all of the discussion on climate change is going to uh, probably derive from there's a lot of money at stake. And usually with elected officials, uh, and I'm not calling any one party out or one person out uh, as an elected official, but there's usually uh, a st billions of dollars that are following. And you just got to wonder and, and weigh the options on climate change. Um, you know, API has said that they do uh, acknowledge that climate change is real, but to what degree do we start um, saying we need to sh shut down systems, if you will, not allow pipelines and infrastructures to be built at the same time, though, it's at uh, the detriment of ourselves and, of course, the higher energy costs that we have to pay uh, at the pump and at the grocery stores. And so it's important um, what you said a moment ago, which is that we need to start educating the consumer and the average Joe to really how it does affect them. And, and maybe when we talk about the elected officials, um, you know, which ones are really uh, doing uh, good, smart policy and ones that are kind of uh, lining their pockets, if you will, with who is their biggest donor and their biggest don uh, uh, campaign donors. That does make a difference in how they're going to vote, and that also affects the average consumer. When we get back, we, we had legislation just passed. It's called the uh, Infrastructure Reduction Act. And I'm glad you're in studio today to talk to us about how it's going to change the energy industry. Who are the winners? Who are the losers? Um, how does this affect the midstream companies versus the large exploration and production companies? And then, of course, the small independent producers, because they're looking at a whole different set of, of uh, fees that may or may not be able to keep their doors open, and that's going to limit the scope of what we have access to. Mike, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, again, when we return, we will be covering the Inflation Reduction Act. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers invites you to their annual conference on September 14th and 15th at the Hotel Drover in Fort Worth, Texas. The event will feature author and energy expert Alex Epstein during the industry luncheon on September 15th. It's the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers annual conference, September 14th and 15th in Fort Worth, Texas. For tickets and hotel reservation information, go to texasalliance.org. That's texasalliance.org. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source Side-by-Side -side Owner Study. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, 
advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy. Mike, um, I wanted to uh, talk to you about the new Inflation Reduction Act that was just passed and how this is going to affect the energy sector as a whole. Uh, There's a whole lot in there. It's being championed as one of the biggest climate change bills. Um, I believe this will probably be historically what Biden's uh, will go down in history for is actually changing um, the path um, with trying to lower emissions at 40% by 2030, which is the goal of this bill. But let's start with, tell us, tell me a little bit about the Inflation Reduction Act as a whole. What do you see was the biggest game changer for, let's start with the fossil fuel industry? Yeah, my cynical side is, or I think the the basic, <laughs> uh, this is probably a bold statement, but one, the Inflation Reduction Act will not reduce inflation. Two, the, uh, if you call it a climate act, will not change the climate. Uh, unfortunately, it's just, you know, with the U.S. having 5% of the world's population, uh, with most of the world living in some sort of energy poverty, um, that continues to uh, emit more emissions uh, than the U.S. Um, you know, the U.S. could go away today, and it's not going to affect the climate because of CO2 emissions around the world. But let's talk about, you know, what, what, what it is doing. It is going to promote hydrogen production which we do in Corpus Christi already. Um, and break uh, down just quickly, because mm-hmm. some of our listeners probably never even heard hydrogen, mm-hmm. much less. How is this performing on a level away from oil and gas? It's cleaner, but in what ways is hydrogen? What that, is hydrogen? That's right. Hydrogen being one of the smallest molecules, you know, of uh, if you take a, a methane molecule of CH4, you know, the the hydrogen is the h4 on a methane molecule it's a very small molecule uh it doesn't have the same energy capacity obviously of methane um it it requires a lot of it to move to provide the same amount of energy um and it's used right now in 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 gasoline manufacturing and refining um to be able to uh, make gasoline and many other things um and it's been identified as, as an energy transition source, as a cleaner form of energy. The issue with it is with the technology today, it's more expensive than natural gas to produce. 
Um, but we are in Corpus Christi, we, we, we make hydrogen and to promote more hydrogen production to replace fossil fuels, uh, the government has put in the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, incentives to promote investment into hydrogen. It's also put in there, um, and it's raised the uh, tax code, the 45Q tax code from, you know, um, I'll call it $50 a ton-ish of um, uh, of of um, carbon sequestration to up that to $85 a ton. Um, little things like that will promote capitalists like us uh, to go out and figure out ways to um, invest in carbon sequestration, which reduces the carbon intensity of hydrocarbon production uh, or hydrogen production. But these are, these are things that will happen over a 50-year arc not a five-year arc. It's going to take a very long time to continue to reduce the emissions um, of the U.S., much less the world, to impact climate. But we have to start somewhere. Climate change is real, and we have to start somewhere. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to make energy more expensive for consumers. That's just a fact uh, of the situation. Uh, we're seeing it today. When you restrict supply, and demand doesn't go down. To live the qualities of life that we live, we have to use a lot of energy. Um, that energy comes today from the planet, and um, the, the more you extract, uh, the more you use, the higher quality of life you have. And that's just the, the facts of the situation. The Inflation uh, Reduction Act uh, doesn't do anything but make that extraction more expensive. There's a proposed methane tax now uh, in, in there that we don't, we, we don't know exactly how that's gonna work uh, but it's going to add cost uh, to energy production. Um, and so the, the, whenever you add cost to supply or add cost, it does get passed on the consumer, right. whether it's delivered through a truck or a plane or a ship um, or a pipeline. It's going to be more expensive. When we talk about the methane, there's uh, a ruling that's getting ready to happen or a change at the EPA. How are you feeling about that change, and where is it going to affect? Are, are you under, are you hearing anything about what they're going to be focusing on at the EPA level yeah, on those so, changes? So I, I, we haven't dug in real far yet. You know, we understand that the EPA has now been given the right to uh, regulate CO2 under the Clean Air Act. Uh, that will give them a possibly broader uh, – uh, governance over or, or regulatory oversight over our industry, which we saw again when that happened, you will reduce the amount of coal power plants and convert to natural gas, which is the greatest reduction of emissions in the U.S. was that conversion of coal to natural gas. But what we've seen is, for instance, in carbon sequestration, in order to drill an, an, an EPA-regulated well, a Class 6 well, which you need for carbon sequestration, it's over a three-year process now. It takes millions of dollars to permit. We're going to need hundreds, if not thousands, of these wells in the U.S. to sequester uh, carbon dioxide. With the EPA's process right now, um, it's counterproductive. So, yes, we're getting more CO2 credit. Uh, for the uh, under the Inflation Reduction Act of up to $85 a ton. But at the same time, you can't get a Class 6 well drilled to put the carbon into. So it, it, it's really, um, there's a lot more that has to be done in order for, you know, for true emissions to be reduced as part of this act. And, and I just want to kind of be clear about, um, because I know that there's a listener out there that's like a little confused. So uh, the CO2 and the permitting process that you're talking about, it actually puts the CO2 back into the ground in That's a right. way and removes it from 
the air. That's right. Um, that we are using. We unfortunately call it sequestration, but that's exactly what it's doing. It's taking it from the combustion of hydrocarbon from, from an industrial process and putting it back into the ground. Well, let's take a quick break. When we return, I want to get back onto the fossil fuel provisions that were included in this historical bill, uh, climate bill. We're going to want to talk about federal lands and offshore and how that is going to work with the drilling as well. But we've got to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one, your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium, plus you can earn double dividends that will go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at TexasMutual.com slash Lone Star energy shale oil and gas business magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing our digital advertising services include website email radio video and social media shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management visit our website shalemag.com once again that's shale s-h-a-l-e mag m-a-g.com to learn more shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188 again 210-240-7188 And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Mike Howard, the CEO of Howard Energy. We're here discussing the Inflation Reduction Act and how it's going to affect the energy sector as well as how it's going to affect you who is listening to the show today. Mike, let's get back on this historic climate bill, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, that you have said earlier is not going to reduce uh, inflation. Uh, and we're going to probably need to prepare ourselves that we're going to spend more money for everything. This is a continuation of it. Um, And there are some uh, punitive um, provisions in here that are going to affect the fossil fuel industry. Um, And I want to try to talk about how that's going to affect the industry and then how it comes down to the consumer. Federal lands, so this administration has not had held any lease purchases on federal lands to date. And he's been in office going on, what, two years. Um, Obama had held plenty when he was in office uh, at his two-year mark of presidency. So Biden is a very different president when we're looking at how he's looking at the fossil fuel industry. But in this bill, the provision discusses how federal lands will now be able to open up for energy development and offshore for wind as well as uh, oil and gas. How is that going to affect? Do we start seeing again now an activity again that starts happening, a flurry of uh, new projects coming on board? And isn't offshore just a very, very expensive way of drilling versus maybe onshore like a shale? 
That's right. It is right now. And that's the issue going on, right, is that the cheap, easy uh, fossil fuels have been extracted. And so uh, it's going to do nothing but get more expensive over time. And there is a a lot of resource uh, offshore or in on federal lands or in Alaska and other places uh, that's just going to be more expensive to extract. Um, the um, not holding federal leases right now or like one of, you know, whenever he first got into office, um, shutting down all leasing like in New Mexico, uh, it, what it does is it reduces the confidence of investors to bring money to the industry to continue to fund exploration and production activities. Um, whenever they can't see a 10-year runway to that, uh, which takes a long time to do this permitting and planning, like you said, offshore is very difficult, a lot of regulatory hurdles. Um, that it it is um, extremely expensive, extremely difficult, and by uh, this act is supposed to reduce that sum where it's going to require them, which already required to hold leases by law. <laughs> this this Inflation Reduction Act requires them uh, to do it in, in addition to uh, the offshore wind and that sort of provisions that are in the bill. And so uh, I don't know if it's going to... Um, uh, initiate a flurry of activity, uh, but it should uh, give some uh, confidence to investors to invest in the activity. Um, and so, again, I I I think um, I don't think it impairs the energy industry, but it does make it more expensive for sure. And I wonder how they're going to implement this because the bill does include that if they're going to be if they are going to approve solar and wind renewables, if you will, they also have to include this in the oil and gas drilling. So who's going to watch that? Is it going to be our friendly friends in the EPA or who's going to monitor um, that they're going to do one for one and uh, that's right and, and back and forth. And, and the the other cynical thing that we we understand is you know uh, Senator Manchin um, at, and as part of his negotiation to approve this bill was to get his next bill, which is supposed to be coming out this month, which is the uh, permitting. Uh, 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 you know, regulation reduction uh, act where you can get these energy infrastructure projects built with 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 less permitting uh, blockades that are going on by a number of environmental groups. So you need infrastructure for all this, whether it be electricity, solar, uh, wind. You need a lot of industrial infrastructure to get this in, including pipelines. And without some reform. Um, that's supposed to be coming in this in this act that that, that he negotiated. Um, we're not going to see any of the benefits of the Inflation Reduction Act without um, some of the permitting reductions that he has supposedly negotiated, which we haven't seen yet. Well, that's a great uh, lead-in for our next segment because I want to drill down into uh, the pipelines uh, that were specifically discussed in the bill and what made Manchin change his mind. Um, on the Build Back Better bill, now known as the Inflation Reduction Act, just a watered-down version of it. Uh, but let's take a quick break. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The annual AAPA Conference and Expo is coming up in Orlando, Florida, October 16th through the 19th, as seaport leaders and marine professionals will gather for networking, technical, and policy sessions. As the seaport's main event of the year, the AAPA Conference and Expo will provide access to the industry's top decision makers, professionals, and experts. If you or your company are interested in sponsoring this year's event, contact Kevin Traver at ktraver at AAPA. 
aaports.org. That's Kay Traver at aaports.org. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy, and we're discussing the Inflation Reduction Act that has just passed uh, and is now a law here in the United States. Mike, let, we're con- going to continue on drilling down down into this act on how it's going to affect the fossil fuel uh, industry, the provisions that are included in it. Um, one of the specific things that changed Joe Manchin's mind from not agreeing to sign at all for the Build Back Better bill, which was a really, really super, super bad bill, um, and went forward with the Inflation Reduction Act was um, the West Virginia gas pipeline. And of course, uh, uh, if you're in the oil and gas industry, you understand how much uh, regulation and red tape you deal with. Rather, it's an upstream, meaning exploration and production, or specifically pipeline. And most people don't really realize how important pipelines are to get the the to market what we need and we consume every day, rather it's for energy, food, or just really everything we consume is, is a byproduct of, of oil or gas. But specifically, the pipeline industry has really had a lot of issues, specifically Biden coming in day one, uh, first day of, uh, of, of being in office and canceling the Keystone XL pipeline. Give me your thoughts on what you and your team are seeing with this uh, pipeline discussion, the concessions that were actually put into this bill. How is that going to unfold? Yeah, so our understanding is this bill has some of that, but really it's the next bill that's going that, that has to get passed in order for the Mountain Valley Pipeline out of West Virginia or other pipeline infrastructure to have to attract investment. What we're seeing right now, there's such a high regulatory hurdle to build new infrastructure. And again, when you talk about education and, and explaining to people, there's millions of miles of pipelines today delivering the energy that people use in their houses and their cars and their jets and everything else that we do uh, right now that's uh, feeding the data centers, um, the electricity generation plants, everything else. There's millions of miles of pipelines that you drive across every single day. It's the safest way to transport energy. And it's, it's interesting to me that environmentalists are the ones that stop those infrastructure projects when the energy is needed. Um, and so that's the cleanest, safest way to deliver the energy. So it must be an anti-energy um, uh, um, activism that is stopping it, not rational activism. And so we, we, we understand it. And what we find is we have pipelines in Pennsylvania. It's much different laying pipeline and dealing with the regulatory burden and the public-facing uh, burden of laying infrastructure in the Northeast versus in the South, versus Oklahoma, New Mexico, uh, Texas, Louisiana. Um, a lot of the infra- – even in, it, it is getting harder in the South uh, from the uh, people that are, are – um, not in my backyard, the NIMBYs that don't want um, uh, infrastructure uh, near them. But, you know, again, for delivering energy to people to have the quality of life they, they, they have, um, you need these infrastructure projects. So Manchin's bill that's hopefully coming out this month that was the uh, negotiation to get this bill passed, which is, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, that bill is going to be absolutely necessary because what's crazy is, 
in the Northeast during the wintertime, they burn fuel oil in homes, uh, over 30% of the electricity up in the uh, Northeast ISO, the, the electrical market of the Northeast, was burning fuel oil last year. 30% of their energy comes from fuel oil, which is the dirtiest form of energy. Um, and there's there's natural gas next door in the Marcella Shell, the largest, you know, gosh, 30 BCF a day comes out of the Marcella Shell, that these pipelines, like the Mountain Valley Pipeline, if they could just get some of these pipelines built to the Northeast, uh, consumers would have a cheaper, cleaner form of elect- electricity, clean cheaper, cleaner form of energy and regulatory burdens and, and uh, lawsuits from environmental groups and permitting delays from the federal government restricts all that infrastructure. So hopefully this bill goes a long way to restrict that. But the IRA, as it sits today, is not going to do that. You have to combine it with some uh, permit reduction act to, uh, which by the way, <laughs> we're already by law uh, federally mandated to uh, have a permitting structure to allow these infrastructure projects. And I, I don't believe that people are following uh, the, 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 the law that's already in place. So they have to implement some new law to, to force um, federal agencies to look at these infrastructure projects and get them off the ground. Now, one of our sister stations that we air actually does air in that area. And so I'm glad we're discussing that because prior to the uh, Ukraine-Russian invasion, um, they were actually importing energy from Russia. That's exactly right. There was an LNG ship that came to Boston from Russia um, that was sourced there. And it's because they can't get a pipeline built from the Marcella Shell uh, to uh, markets in the Northeast. And so people pay a lot more for their energy, and they they pay for dirtier energy. Uh, Yeah, which is uh, health issues, health hazards. How how much would you say, how many pipeline uh, miles do we already have? I just want the listener to understand this is not new That's how, right. m- how many hundreds of thousands of pipelines are yeah, in the United States to, we, right now we'd have to google it the number in my head for natural gas infrastructure natural gas interstate pipelines is about two million miles you know uh in the state of texas we have you know uh probably at least that much pipe in gathering pipelines and that sort of thing a lot of the smaller pipes not the big infrastructure uh and, and what's interesting is I think there's 25,000 miles, uh, and th- those numbers are not quite right, but they're directionally right, about 25,000 miles of interstate highways. <laughs> and so it takes millions of miles of pipelines to deliver our energy. Highways, it's thousands of miles. Yeah. And so we already have, over our history of industrialization, we understand how to build infrastructure. We understand how to get energy to people. We know how, you know, to if you live in a rural area, how to get electricity to you, how to get propane to you, you know, how to live a high-quality quality life um and it's it's very frustrating to see this restriction in infrastructure um and really what it is it's a restriction of getting energy to people that need it right and it's a shame that more um energy uh i guess executives and leaders don't run for congress and for office because you are right you all know how to deliver it to versus having a, a diesel running truck you know, driving down freeways, they're they're more dangerous and everything. That's right. Dirtier, burning fuel, and here we have uh, pipelines that exist, and uh, it's the elected officials in those areas that prevent uh, those people, unfortunately, from getting access to energy uh, that are clean and cheaper. When we get back from break, Mike, I want to cover a little bit more on uh, drilling down into uh, the natural gas, methane. Uh, and what that means, and then also some of the winners and losers pertaining to this bill. Uh, You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers invites you to their annual conference on September 14th and 15th at the Hotel Drover in Fort Worth, Texas. The event will feature author and energy expert Alex Epstein during the industry luncheon on September 15th. It's the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers annual conference, September 14th and 15th in Fort Worth, Texas. For tickets and hotel reservation information, go to texasalliance.org. That's texasalliance.org. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. We're back. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy. And we're discussing uh, in studio today the Inflation Reduction Act. Mike, uh, last topic on this bill is the methane admissions and how that's going to affect with all the taxes that are coming in, the regulation. How is that going to affect the energy industry? Because um, as a, from a pipeline company standpoint, Describe to us what you're dealing with with methane, and then how is that going to impact your business, bottom dollar? So this is the first regulation that I'm aware of that actually puts a tax on methane, uh, where the Clean Air Act and and other acts um, didn't really regulate methane. That was just part of a of a of a of a, of a group of compounds, not methane specifically. This is specifically targeting uh, taxing methane emissions. And I think it's methane emissions on anything from abandoned oil and gas wells to producing wells to pipelines to compressor stations, uh, processing plants, uh, anything involved in the um, gathering and, and, and processing and uh, transportation of methane. So each time the pipeline comes above ground and you have valves or flanges or um, compressors or any processing equipment, there's an opportunity to leak methane. We obviously uh, today monitor for that. Uh, in some of our facilities, um, we have you know leak detection and repair programs uh, with FLIR cameras and other detection devices uh, to do that. Uh, this is the first regulation where it actually applies a tax to the emissions. Now, what we're not clear on is how do you tax that? Because how do you how do you measure a a leak? And how do you you can estimate the leak, but now you know, now there's a financial penalty to it. How, who's going to regulate that? Mm-hmm. How are we going to uh, detect it? How are we going to repair it? How how are we going to pay our taxes? Uh, what who are you going to pay the taxes to? What's the tax money go towards? Just all that. Uh, infrastructure is going to be needed uh, for regulating uh, methane emissions, and especially these low-cost operators that are out there doing traditional oil and gas extraction from conventional wells. Uh, some of that technology is old that they're using, and it may be leaky, and they're not used to doing a lot of the advanced uh, leak detection that we do as a midstream company. Uh, some of those companies have, have not done that before. So what it will do, it will add cost to the production and transportation of of methane of natural gas, and so uh, it, 
you know, anything that adds regulation or adds tax like this. And now, is it needed? Uh, yes, methane is a, a greenhouse gas that, that, that needs to be regulated. My perception is we, we, it's a pretty low percentage of the overall production that, that we may leak into the atmosphere. Um, but at, this, at, this, at the same time, we're already doing a lot of uh, leak detection, and this is just going to add regulatory burden and cost to the production of, the, of, of methane. Of how, yeah, how the operators, well, you know, obviously uh, Darren Woods, CEO of ExxonMobil, uh, his statement was that we're moving in the right direction, uh, the bill, but it also did tend to favor larger companies, mm-hmm. the integrated large companies who are looking towards carbon uh, tax. But the smaller operators are probably the one who are going to carry the major burden of having to uh, pony up more money and on an already very slim profit margin as well. That's right. My perception of like a Darren Wood statement is on the big integrateds like ExxonMobil is that he has investors. He has to attract investment. They are a lot more uh, they, uh, um, forward thinking on climate change. And what he's saying is a step in the right direction, which again, it will promote hydrogen production. It will promote carbon sequestration. Uh, my comment was, you know, will it impact carbon emissions in the short term? Probably not. Will it, in, will it impact investment to allow innovation to happen? Absolutely. Will we look up in 50 years and be emitting less uh, emissions and producing the same amount of energy, if not more? Yes. You know, those things will happen. Uh, and these are, the, I think, the, the steps you have to take. I think they're baby steps. I think it's in the right direction. Um, but, gosh, when you look at the next 10 to 20 years, I'm, this, will, this will increase the price of uh, their products. And so they will make more money, too, uh, as mm-hmm. a big integrated. And they'll invest more money, you know. So um, uh, I, I think when your perspective is as a publicly traded CEO, yeah, it's to attract investment. We want to be pro-climate change. We want to be um, uh, pro-energy. Uh, but at the same time, you will be raising consumer cost. Right. And that's why we're seeing record natural gas prices right now. You're seeing record oil prices, record natural gas prices because of regulations like these that are restricting the uh capital into our industry and restricting supply. Uh, So demand is going to continue increasing between now and 2050. You're going to use 50% more energy on the planet, uh, just based on, on uh, current projections from the UN, the IPCC, uh, anybody else that, that, that can see what's going on uh, because energy uh, uh, use and GDP are tied directly together. If GDP continues to increase, so will uh, so will energy uh, demand. So um, we're going to have to find ways to supply that energy. And fossil fuels is going to continue to play a huge role, but it's going to be more expensive. Well, you mentioned a moment ago that natural gas is at a uh, much higher. It's at an all-time high. And also, uh, in closing the show out, I'd like for you to tell me what you think. Where are we going? Are these prices pretty stable through the end of the year, or can we expect? Uh, what are we? Can it, what can we expect at the pump? Is it going to go up or down? And the price of natural gas as well. And explain why natural gas is at an all-time high. Yeah. So uh, natural gas, uh, you know, it's the, it, it hit a. I don't know about all time, but definitely in the last fourteen years that we hit ten dollars. Uh, last time it did that was in July two thousand eight. It was um, at what two dollars? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> two years ago, you know, I mean, we we are swimming in natural gas. We have a lot of natural gas in the U.S. for hundreds of years of supply. We know how to extract it. The problem is that that the there is a a a um, 
uh, lack of investment because these wells, when you drill a well, it's a 75% decline in a couple mm-hmm. years. So, you know, you have to continuously drill to keep flat. And with demand increasing, with uh, Germany needing more gas, Europe needing more gas, the restriction of, of Russian molecules to those countries now because of the war, um, you're going to need more gas from the U.S. and friendly countries to supply Europe. And uh, in order to get that gas there, they're averaging $57 in MMBTU in Europe right now on LNG imports when in the U.S. it's 7 to $10, you know. And so there's there's going to continue to be uh, demand for natural gas in the coming years. So we, we're very bullish on natural gas right now with the restriction and regulations that we're seeing, um, the lack of investment into the industry. I think you're going to continue to see high prices. Can they artificially lower gas at the pump? Yes, by releasing strategic uh, petroleum reserves, by doing a deal with Iran, you're, you know, they're, they're trying to get more molecules on the market to artificially lower demand of gasoline, uh, but it's not going to work long term. The fundamentals are energy is going to get more expensive. Right. And there's a simple fix. If you would get out of the way, That's right. lower these regulation hurdles for oil and gas, you probably see a, a big change. Mike, thank you for coming and talking to us about the Inflation Reduction Act, how it's going to affect the midstream part of the oil and gas industry. We look forward to having you back on the show. And you're also heading to Dallas. You're going to be talking at uh, the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers Conference in Fort Worth in a couple of weeks or in September sometime. In September, that's right. We'll go up there supporting those guys. It's a great organization. Couldn't agree more. Thank you once again for coming to the studio and talking to us uh, all things energy. Thank you, Kim. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.